0: We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. We're in downtown Philadelphia at the convention center. All the pregame festivities before Army, Navy tomorrow, Pearl Off, and you can feel the excitement building around here. We've got lots of luminaries, lots of uh, military folks in both Army and Navy, obviously, and it's just a really fun event that captures one of the great sports moments in our country. Oh, There's
1: a lot of buzz in the room. Yep. It's amazing, too. When people talk about Army Navy, their tone changes, yep. Every, everyone, <laughs> it's unlike any other game. I mean, it's so, it's so different. Like, take the Super Bowl, which is, gi- becomes a gigantic corporate event. Yes. You know, I remember when my Eagles were in there a few years ago. That was special. Someday you'll get there, Maggie. That's don't worry nice. about it. <laughs> uh, sure. But, no, no, that, there's nothing like the feeling of, I think, college football in general, but especially this game.
0: This is fantastic, and this is, I believe, the 89th time it's been in Philadelphia, so this is really cool, and so we're going to keep continuing to bring you uh, all the flavor here and the sights and sounds from this Army-Navy basically pregame, but we got to talk about last night because (laughs) you called it, you said Baker Mayfield was going to have a moment and (laughs) <laughs> I didn't believe you. I thought maybe a throw here I, yeah. or there, not a 98-yard drive at the end of the game to score the go-ahead and winning touchdown with no, basically no time left on the clock. I mean, it wasn't just that. It was even the touchdown before, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He's running the two-minute drill like he's been on this team for 10 years.
1: When Baker hit the game-winning touchdown, did the thought cross your mind did this just happen? (laughs) I I was in disbelief. I was like, wait, did that really? I think even the announcers were like, wait, I think he just hit the game-winning touchdown.
0: You're so right. I thought for, I was going and scrolling through social media to make sure I was seeing what I'm seeing. You know, actually, it was when John Wolford started the first series. And then the second one, Baker, came out. And I was like, wait, it's Baker. I know. Oh, my goodness, this is happening. And then from there on, it was like the Baker Mayfield show. However... He got a lot of help from the Raiders last night. I mean, there were some awful penalties on both of those final two touchdown drives. They kept the drives alive when otherwise the Raiders would have gone home with a relatively easy win, and all of a sudden the black and silver just imploded.
1: Well, okay, you say awful calls. You mean awful penalties that they committed the penalties or awful calls? Because to me, some of the calls were borderline. The pass interference, for example, they kept the – it was an interception, and they called pass interference. It was close. Oh, I didn't. It wouldn't kill me if I saw that in the first quarter of a game. I'd be Like, okay, you could call that because they're pass interference on almost every pass play.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, that but one it, it I didn't have as much a problem with. I did have a problem with the unsportsmanlike. I mean, well,
1: but that's the rule, though. I, I, I too, I thought it, like these rules are crazy, but I think that's the way the rules set up.
0: I know, but. It, it's such a pivotal play. I mean, granted, Baker and the Rams had to go march fifty more yards down the field to get the touchdown, but still, that was such a pivotal yeah, play. Yeah, it was unsportsmanlike in that at that moment. And well,
1: why is the dude knocking the ball out under that? So, like, what's
0: he doing? I don't know. They're human beings. Like, they're going to have these moments in the big part of the game. I mean, Tillery was basically left as a cast off, right? He's now uh, with the Raiders. Like, I just didn't understand how. in that's in that moment a judgment call like that could end up swaying the game so well, much. Well, like, I mean, the Rams, Rams got a pretty
1: good. weak personal foul against them that cost them a field goal in the third quarter, too. So, yeah, the, the officials were calling it tight and randomly, and then they were not calling at certain times. I mean, you you brought up to me pre-show, it seemed like the Rams were holding on every play. Every play. They mean, did Max call Cros- a lot of they them. They
0: called a lot of them, but it was almost like Max Crosby was getting to Mayfield in a way, in the at least in the first half, and through the third quarter, too, that was like, are they going to call holding on this play or not? That's what's going to, like, it, It's he's yeah. getting held on every they, play. They, are they, they going to call?
1: They did get a few of them. I mean, listen, they yeah. had the game won. Whatever that prob- win probability is, it was 99%. So funny because we saw the Saints do the same exact implosion. feels like this is the season of teams blowing leads. I go back to that. The one Oh, that the really, Ravens. The Ravens keep doing it. How about that, was it the Jets-Browns game? Where Flacco just had you couldn 't invent a win like that, if you wrote a script <laughs> if you wrote a script the last night 's game where Baker Mayfield gets off a plane and forty eight hours yeah. l- leads a two minute drive, people would be like that doesn 't make any sense. Can you make it more realistic it was It was just silly it was
0: 855 eight five five two one two four cBS 855 eight five five two one two four two two seven. We are on location in Philadelphia, but that doesn 't mean you can't weigh in on the show let 's go to Justin he 's in Baltimore. On CBS Sports Radio, what's up, Justin?
2: Hey, how y'all doing?
0: We're doing excellent. What's on your mind?
2: Uh, what's on my mind is unsportsmanlike conduct penalties against against defensive linemen that are rushing the passer with full adrenaline because mm. the, the 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 NFL clearly favors offense nowadays, and that's called for tapping the ball out of someone's hand. I mean, my God, that's ridiculous. Now we've got to hear from talking heads across the world that Baker Mayfield is back. No, he's not back. He's probably the fourth-best quarterback in his draft class. The dude is trash. He's just trash. Or Cleveland would have never let him go for Deshaun Watson, who's a sexual predator. I mean, my God, what a joke. I mean, that, that, that call should not have happened. It should not have been called. These guys worked their butts off. To, to, you know, to get through holding calls that aren't called. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't some Hollywood ending, as you guys said earlier. It, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's a joke show. Well,
0: Justin, someone had the Raiders minus six. I'm just kidding. I think. Yeah, I, I, I get it because I, I thought that's too big of a moment to call an unsportsmanlike like that. It's not like he was flexing on some, you know, it's not like that showing him up type of stuff. Come on. The guy's in the heat of the moment.
1: Well, I don't know. Made it for a more entertaining fourth quarter if you didn't have a bet on the
0: game. <laughs> I guess so.
1: Uh, you know, it's actually fourth best quarterback of that draft. That's the Josh Allen draft, right? Yep. So, course. yeah, Josh Allen, Lamar Sam, Jackson. Sam what? Darnold. So oh,
0: wait, are you want to go the best? I want to rank
1: them. So you take out Lamar and you take out Josh Allen. Yeah. Now you got Sam Darnold, Baker, who Josh uh, Rosen. Josh Rosen, no. Yeah. So he's really the third best, unless there was a second or third rounder there. You got anything, Sam example? Look it up. Uh, 2018 draft. 2018 draft for vamp, quarterbacks. let for a second. We're in you, a vamp, room I'm going to go to JJ. People. Yeah. He's in
0: California. Wants to talk about the Browns and the Bengals as a sneaky good game this week. What's up, JJ?
3: I'm nervous about this game this weekend. Burroughs never beat the Browns.
0: Yep.
1: So, yeah, but, did, you know, I know. the shot looked pretty rusty. you got
3: Brady. He's got to go down to Brady next week. He might have that game on his mind. I don't know. I just wanted to call real quick and say I was a little nervous about the game this weekend.
0: You know, I kind of get it, too. You know, J.J. is talking about it and J.J., appreciate the call. Have a fantastic weekend. You know, the fact that Burroughs never beaten the Browns, is there something to that? They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The fact that there is pressure now on the Bengals because they are now not being talked about, of course, back in the playoff race, of course, but are they one of the best teams in the AFC? So you're getting a lot of that yeah. head swell and and reading your own clips, maybe. And then the other part is, is it a trap game like J.J. is alluding to with them having to go play the Bucks?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Deshaun is definitely rusty, though. It's hard to imagine yeah. that quarterback jumping. It's going to take him a month.
0: See, he was terrible against the yeah. Texans. I get that. But does it take a month or does it take just that one game finally getting hit, game speed, and then he's back, like, to his old self?
1: You know, I talked to our buddy Quincy Avery who works with Deshaun. He said give it three games to see his mistakes on film and he'll, he'll correct them. But I, Well, you that know, would make J.J. feel better. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the, the Browns just own the Bengals, though, so I'm with you. I think it's a real serious trap game. By the way, he is the fourth best quarterback in that draft class who
0: are we forgetting number
1: one josh allen number two lamar jackson number three mike Bleepin white
0: oh right so
1: then baker's (laughs) coming in four yeah mike white was a fifth round pick of that draft i never would have remembered that so uh you got mason rudolph in there uh so he might be the third best i mean it is
0: mason rudolph's wearing a headset (laughs) yeah i
1: know it's fascinating to wonder where baker mayfield goes from here
0: (sighs) So I'm kind of with Justin in that I thought this was a great game and this was a great mm-hmm. moment for Baker Mayfield. It was to have someone land 48 hours before and, and play a game and win it is crazy. But I didn't think this was like, oh, my goodness, Baker's back. Yeah. I looked at this and thought, oh, my goodness, I can't believe the amount of ways the Raiders are blowing this game, number one. Right. And number two, I thought, let's see Baker. You know, let's see because he can. You really go from being like left for dead in both Cleveland and in Carolina, and now all of a sudden you're going to be playing like the number one overall pick again. It just
1: well, it, I don't think I don't even think he played like a number one overall pick. He played more like that ten to twenty serviceable Matt Shaw, Matt Ryan. You know those quarterbacks who flourish in that particular system. You need a run game. You need play action. Yeah, uh, I was. First of all, I didn't need to see him win the throw of the game-winning touchdown to consider last night a miracle. When he completed his first pass <laughs> to Skorodek or his second pass to, yeah. to Atwell, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the craziest game I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> it did happen really fast. It's like, uh-oh, Baker's here to play. Yeah, I'm
1: like, wait, where did that throw come from? And I'm talking about, like, the first two completions. <laughs>
0: It is Maggie and Perloff. We are here in Philadelphia. The Army-Navy game is tomorrow at Lincoln Financial Field. We are here at Radio Row in the convention center as everyone's getting so excited for this game. Uh, Coming up next, this is a man who can walk with his head up high in Philadelphia, yet... He's a legendary Dallas Cowboy. And that is Jay- Jason Witten, the two-time All-Pro, the 11-time Pro Bowler. He's going to join us on our set next. You're going to be okay?
2: Oh, I'm,
0: You're not going to boo I have, him, are you? I might
1: give a little forearm <laughs> shiver. Yeah. We'll see. We'll I see would, how I feel.
0: I'd love to see what he'd do back to your forearm <laughs> shiver. It is Maggie and Perloff. Don't move. More show on the way right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. We're in downtown Philadelphia. The Army-Navy game is tomorrow, and... All of the festivities now starting to build Pearl off you can feel mm-hmm. the excitement here as we're in the convention center and it is our pleasure to be joined by of course Dallas Cowboys legend Jason Witten who is here on behalf of USAA you got to do a really cool thing this morning where you gave away a car to a veteran who really needed it. We're going to talk all about that in just a moment but we were just talking off air that game last night how do you how do you describe mm. what Baker Mayfield did last night Jason?
4: It's pretty remarkable. I mean, when you look at, you know, he, he never really practiced with the team, got in Tuesday, you know, have a walkthrough on Wednesday and then get thrown out there. By the way, Sean McVay's offense is pretty complicated. The plays are long. I played a year for John Gruden. That's who Sean McVay learned from. And so, you know, it's, it's a long list. Just calling the play in the huddle is difficult. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those where, hey, look, it is what it is. I'm going to go out there. I think he's a pretty resilient kid you know he's a walk-on and then he transferred all those things that have happened in his career and it looks like he just played loose I mean, he's headbutting guys on the side he's been <laughs> having a lot of fun he's jumping in his offensive lineman's laps he may not even know their names <laughs> and uh you know he threw the ball as well as i as a fan I, i've ever seen him throw it so kudos to him you, you like to see it happen when guys face a little bit of adversity in their career and then they respond the right way it's hard to do what he did so uh, big time Congratulations to to Baker.
1: Now you say they're long plays. Is there typically common language? You play for a lot of different coaches probably. Is there enough in common for whatever he was doing with Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, for example, and Sean McVay that he figured it out? Or did the Rams change their playbook to suit him? There had to be something going on here. Yeah, I think there was a
4: carryover from Stefanski and Bill Callahan, who was the offensive line coach Mm. with the running game and the protections. And and now with Sean McVay, the kind of similar system. But with that, there's still all these nuances that happen, right? One word's different or that route means this and this system. It's a different route. And so just to call the plays and be in command like that, um, you know, I don't think Sean McVay, you know, dumbed it down by any means. I mean, he, he's just – his offense is so prolific in how it works. And so for Baker to jump in there – but besides that, like to get on the same page with the receivers – of like, how are you running that route? When are you going to be there? The timing, the anticipation, uh, that throw to win the game on the go ball, that catch, like he put it exactly where it had to be. And so um, it's just remarkable. As a fan, you just, that's a hard position to play. And to play with that type of results, unbelievable.
0: Jason Witten is our guest here on behalf of USAA. Um, All right, we've gone two minutes without asking about the Cowboys. I think there's (laughs) an alarm that's going to go off somewhere. We're going to get taken off the set. Now, Cowboys obviously having a fantastic year. Even with Dak's injury, injuries to the offensive line earlier in the season, now they've put it together. But we've seen the Cowboys put together good regular seasons. Does anything about this team feel a little different to you? Like maybe they'd be more of a threat in the playoffs?
4: I think so. I mean, the the biggest thing I would say is I don't see any weaknesses in the Cowboys. There's always times for every team if, okay, if we have to play that team and they they can run the football or, Mm. you know, that quarterback, he's so dangerous. And I don't I think as you look at it from the Cowboys, they, they, they can stop the run. They're, they're leading the league in, in uh, pass defense. Um, Dak seems confident. Zeke's getting healthy. CeeDee Lamb's turning into a number one receiver. Michael Parsons, I mean, you can't stop this guy. I mean, I wish he came eight years earlier. You know? That would have <laughs> been nice. Um, so I, I just don't think that there's any weaknesses. Certainly Philly's the top of the league uh, in, their, in their division. When you get to the playoffs, everybody's going to be pretty good. So I think for them it's just – Block out all that noise, play your best football when it's needed, and I think they, they set up really nice down this stretch.
1: Now I gotta give Maggie credit. Week one, they lose nineteen three to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tyron Smith gets hurt, Dak gets hurt. I'm like, it's over over for Dallas. Maggie's like, I don't know, you know, I think they can they can replace offensive lineman, Cooper Rush can do some things, and she put a bet on them to make the playoffs then when they were at the very bottom. Honestly, I, I wish thought,
0: I'd made the Super Bowl bet. Yeah. That would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she
1: was crazy. Jason, did you have any hope at that point? Because it got a little low really early in the season. It
4: did, you know, and they didn't look like they were playing very well. And then you got to go into your backup quarterback. But, and really, as a fan, I'm probably even internally, they're saying, like, hey, if we can just go 500 on these games while he's out, whatever that is, five games or six games. But I think that's where the season kind of evolved for them, is the supporting cast stepped up. They were able to win games Mm -hmm. without Dak, their franchise quarterback. Now he comes back, gets healthy, confident. Um, you look back early in the season, seems like two years ago, we're talking about week two in early September, but yeah. winning those games early puts him in a position to have a nice chance here going down the stretch, regardless if they win the division or not. But the confidence in the level in which they're playing, you know, people say it, it's a cliche, but play your best football at the right time, right? And uh, that's Bill Belichick 101, and it seems like Dallas is doing that.
0: Well, everyone's got that Christmas Eve, Dallas. Philly, that's going to be a heck of a Mm. game. Jason Witten is our guest. Are you surprised that even internally with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones – Like, they're making such a big deal about OBJ. They're kind of walking it back now. But Jason was almost like, well, God, you know, we're interested and they're interested. It was like everyone's making such a big deal about him coming when the Dallas Cowboys offense is great. (laughs) They they don't seem like they need a lot of extra help.
4: Yeah, you know, I thought it kind of odd and almost enjoyed it a little bit. But this open recruitment in the the middle of the season on Twitter, going to games, like I'd never seen that before, (laughs) you know, so. I was like, this is kind of interesting, and the players seemed okay with it, and and, uh, even the guys that play his positions, but I think they're at a luxury here where it's kind of icing on the cake is that CeeDee Lamb's kind of proven to be a number one. Michael Gallup's getting healthy. I I mentioned Zeke and Pollard. Um, Obviously, when Odell's healthy, I mean, he's a game changer, right? And so, you look at adding him to the mix as you go into the playoff run, it's, you know, he has that ability to kind of go score at any point in time he gets the ball. and Great catch radius, so Makes sense, but I think they're also at a position where their hand's not forced. Is which where you want to be in as a a team and certainly as a management standpoint. So I'm actually anxious to see how how it plays out for Odell.
1: You know I found really funny? uh, My Eagles, I'm calling it my Eagles, only because I'm in Philadelphia. Normally I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Smart. (laughs) There was a report that they would also look at Odell Beckham Jr. It feels like a bit of an arms race there, but... To me, both teams, the Eagles and the Cowboys, the last thing they need is another offensive weapon. How do you view the Philadelphia Eagles as, I think, the expectation now is to a team that can come out of the NFC. Do you agree? I do agree. Yeah. You know,
4: I think there was a period there when they were having a lot of success. They are 7-0, and 8-0, and there was still in the back of people's mind of, well, can Jalen Hurts really do it? Right. right. Started so talking about the great players at that position, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, in, in the NFC can can he beat those guys can he go head to head with them and as it evolved now I mean if he's not the leading candidate in the clubhouse for, for MVP I don't know who is and so playing very efficient he's, he seems comfortable playing there and so I think the Eagles um, you know they deserve all the recognition they're getting with their record it's complimentary they can run the football Jalen's extending plays The one thing I think's rare about him is anytime you play that way it's a little bit like Brett Favre right there's a lot of great plays that come outside the pocket. But, unfortunately, there's a handful there. You're like, oh, I'd like to have that one back. And it doesn't seem like those negative plays are coming up for Jalen. Yeah. So um, it seems comfortable with the coaching staff when this players around him and supporting cast. They're a really good team. And I know from experience it's hard to beat the Eagles in Philly Come January. Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> we're, we're asking if it's hard for you to walk down the street in Philly, but <laughs> yeah. it looks like everybody's behaving themselves. And Perloff, how dare you ask Jason Witten to give an Eagles breakdown no, he's, as a he's former a, Cowboy. No, 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 no. He's a
1: professional, <laughs> <know>. unlike us.
0: <laughs> uh, Maggie's
1: a Bills fan, by the way. So don't even ask her to be professional when it comes to that.
0: No, team. I'm scarred too much. Uh, Jason, got a question for you about tight ends. Are you surprised that Gronkowski has not come back? I think everyone mm. believed that, oh, it's just a matter of time and, you know what, here we are in mid-December and no Gronk.
4: Yeah, I'm a little surprised, and the biggest reason why I say that is just I thought he was still playing really, really good football, you know, and I think the Tom Brady thing makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, one of the things I think Gronk has earned is do it on his own time, right? And he's not afraid to say that. And so I think when you come back and you exhaust yourself like he has and you've been to the mountaintop, you know, maybe he is at a point where I've had enough of that. But I, I just thought... When you retire and come back, I've done it, it's hard to do and play at a high level. I thought Rob's ability to play for two years at an extremely high level, and it's not just, oh, he's familiar with the quarterback. It's really hard to play the tight end position that way, and I thought he was still playing really well.
0: So you mentioned it was hard to come back after you took your break, went to broadcasting, because I think we're all eyes on Brady. We know he's got the big broadcasting contract out there, so it's sitting there for him, but could he maybe – go to broadcasting, and then come back? I mean, you did it. How hard was it?
4: Well, it, it is. I mean, if anybody can do it, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. But he's also 45 years old, so, I, you know, I don't think – I think he's just going to continue to play. You know, he seems like he's having a lot of fun, still playing at a high level, and this is a new challenge for him.
0: looks fun to you? Well <laughs> – He's, like, about to break every tab yeah, that other Yeah. Time. Well, wow. I think
4: it's a new challenge for him, though. Yeah. I, I think it's um, – He's trying to do it a different way than he's had to do it a lot of times in, in the past, and his defense was playing really well. And so um, I just think more than anything else, Tom loves football. He loves the X's and O's. He loves the, the camaraderie, uh, the relationship with his teammates. And so I don't see a guy that's ready to hang it up anytime soon.
0: Okay. We're talking well, venture to four? a guest about where yeah. he's going to play next year.
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Okay. We're talking to former Dallas Cowboy, Jason Witten. Now your former coach, Jason Garrett, was in the news Today, as a candidate for Stanford. Now, if he had called you and said, "What do you think I should do? Stay in TV or be a college coach?" What would you advise? And I have a follow-up to that answer. Whatever you say.
4: Well, I would say this: um, knowing Coach Garrett, like he's a football guy. Yeah. You know, and so broadcasting is a lot of fun. He's doing a great job at it, and and it's uh, had some friends do it. I've even done it myself there for that one year. But um, he's really good at it, you know, and so I think that's a natural fit. But he he's he's football. I mean he's a coach. That's what I know him as. I know he's extremely passionate at it. He's good at it. Um, you know, like any guy, anybody in that profession, doesn't doesn't always end the way you want it to, you know, it's you either get fired or you're fixing to be fired, you know, in that league. But I think Stanford, when I heard that, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think he would be a good fit there if it worked out.
1: Well, I think he's gonna stay on T V. Now my next question is what is your coaching future? I know there's been a lot of talk that you know you're coaching now. I believe in high school. Yeah, and, uh, is there is that something that you hope to build on?
4: I do. You know, I um, one of the reasons I went to play for the Raiders was kind of peek, peek behind the curtain. That John Gruden was a guy that I felt like was a great offensive of mind that I wanted to learn from, and just with where my family was, that you know my kids were going to get into playing. They're going into high school, and just kind of want to take a breath and coach them. And uh, it's been very rewarding uh, for me. It's you know the business of pro football sometimes can force you to be a little bit jaded and um, coaching these kids having an impact in their life has reminded me of what the game that I fell in love with and so but sure certainly I, I think that we all have admirations for for going to the next level and the chess match of of coaching and being a part of helping a player at that level have an advantage in a game. Well I mean
0: now we've seen Jeff Saturday go straight from the move. Did that give like someone like you hope? Like, hey you had this incredible distinguished career.
4: Yeah, not I don't know if it's the same road kind of Jeff took. (laughs) I think that's pretty rare. We're not going to see that very often. But I do think from the healthy way of doing that of going to be an assistant coach for somebody and working your way up that way is um, something that interests me down the road but I'm enjoying where I'm at right now. So
1: tight end coaches, we got Dan Campbell, of course. I don't yeah. know if you're going to bite kneecaps. Yeah, <laughs> Ditka. But there aren't a lot of t- tight end coaches. Am I, am I missing a few? Ken or? Wisenhunt was the only one that I would. Uh, oh, okay. Ken Wisenhunt he, was yeah. he a good player? I don't remember. Uh, he Are played. You? I think he played.
4: Nine, yeah. ten years. Yeah, okay. He had a good career. So,
1: yeah, but it's not a position that normally transitions into coach like backup quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> it's for always sure. backup quarterback. But I think, no, I think you'd be great. I mean, a tight end must know a lot of aspects of well, the Well, I
4: think you're, you're kind of in both, right? You got to know the passing game, yeah. and, and but you also are kind of in the weeds with the running game and what that looks like. So, um, you know, I always pull for those guys. Dan was a teammate of mine, and, um, you know, he's, he's a walking soundbite in <laughs> yeah. a different way. He's great, but, um, you know, we'll see where it takes us.
0: Jason Witten is here. On behalf of USAA, uh, describe a little of what this must have been like or what this was like, excuse me, for you this morning, where you have a retired Navy veteran who served eight years, received a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star with valor. You got to gift him a car.
4: Yeah, it was pretty neat. You know, it's great for me to be able to partner with USAA on that. But, you know, what better way of doing that to kick off this weekend, this game, than to honor these veterans, yeah. right, and, and to uh, kind of – custom make this vehicle to fit their needs their family's needs and see the smile on their face I just kind of got chill bummed about it of what that meant seeing those guys you know a purple heart and uh, get this vehicle um, kind of a life-changing experience for them and so I was glad to be able to play a small part in it.
0: That's so cool. And everyone, really, you can feel the excitement around here. It is building. Uh, Jason, can't tell you how much we appreciate this. Super fun. And good luck with coaching the high school team and wherever it takes you after that.
2: All
1: right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate
0: that. All right. Jason Witten. Dallas?
1: Uh, I'll probably have Cowboys to. Legend. I'll probably have to score him around Philadelphia. He needs some protection. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's and I you're mean, You're going to be the one providing it. Sure. I <laughs> don't know. Hopefully, people, people won't
1: recognize him <laughs> and you'll be okay. Or just mention my name, Jason. You'll be all
0: right. Yeah, sure. Uh, it is Maggie and Perloff. We're here in downtown Philadelphia at the Convention Center uh, previewing Army Navy. Okay, coming up next, so much to get into Perloff with our next guest, one of your absolute faves. Let's go. Hall of Fame safety, Brian Dawkins is going to join us right here on the set. Welcome back to Maggie and Pearl Off. And I know this is extra special for andrew (laughs) perloff born and raised in philadelphia we have an eagles legend the hall of famer brian dawkins joining us on our set he's participating in usaa the 100th anniversary of serving military communities and as part of that celebration usaa gave away a vehicle Mm. to one veteran in need and brian i know you did that this morning with uh someone named thomas brooks who's an army national guard veteran who served and you gave him a car what was that like (laughs)
3: Well, it was the easiest gift I've given away. I mean, I haven't, I, it's not a whole lot I had to do, but um, it, it's a blessing to be able to do these things and to meet Thomas and his beautiful family, his beautiful wife, two beautiful children, and to know what's coming their way. So this is not just one, they gave away two to Christopher as well. Uh, and this is the 100th vehicle they've given away. This, this year, so like they 're doing a whole lot for those who blessed us so much in service and some of the things that they 've had to deal with, so to provide that family with the vehicle that they can use mm. now to help them and they 're moving around and, and Thomas gave a, a quick story that two like in October, their car broke down, mm. and two weeks later they get a call from USAA that he's going to be the recipient of oh, his wow. vehicle. Oh, so wow. they w- it was an answer to prayer for Wait,
1: him. Wait, is he an Eagles fan? Let's
3: get it <laughs> important <laughs> he too, too. Two, um, no. two Purple
0: Hearts and an Eagles fan.
3: <laughs> no, I th- I believe
1: they were Denver Broncos fans. Oh,
0: mm. well, that lines <laughs> up, I guess, yeah, you're so I mean, a, a Cowboy
3: fan, up. you would have had
1: to take yes. the Yes, No, yeah, it by, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it. I don't know if I, I could have done that. I mean, Brian has <laughs> given me many gifts over the years. Yes, he has. He didn't know that at the time, but yes. Yeah, yeah. you've given many Philadelphia fans, many gifts, and we're, we're here in Philadelphia Convention Center. So what's it like for you to walk around this city? I, it, you must get so much love.
3: Uh, it, it is. It's, yeah. it's an outpouring of love, and, and I always tell people the feeling is mutual. I, I was blessed to basically grow into a man here in Philadelphia. And so to have the opportunity to play the game the way that I played it, to bless so many people with inspiration the way that I live my life, and some of the things that I'm doing, even in retirement, to bless people, to think past their situations and think differently. Mm. Um, you know, with my foundation to bless single moms and to bless high school age kids with some of them. Um, I call it cerebral wellness, not mental health. There's so much negative connotations mm. attached to it. So I talk about my cerebral wellness and to be able to bless them with some of the things that they need to help monitor their emotions. All of that stuff is, I believe, the things that I'm supposed to do and, and then some.
0: It's funny. When I think of you and your playing days, cerebral wellness might not come because you played with a mean streak. I mean, that was nasty. Did did you have to like, are you a different person now than when you played or was that something you just turned on when you got on the field?
3: So I was a different person when I went on the field. So I always tell people Brian Dawkins never played the down of football in his Mm. life. Hmm. It was always weaponized. I call him idiot man. It was always, <laughs> it was always idiot man. It was another part of me that I that I allowed to be unleashed on the football field. So I was a different cat. How I did you do it? Like,
1: did you have to prep early Sunday morning, just get in the headspace, or did the game start and it was just there? It so, it's literally
3: me when I text when I touch the practice field, it's go time. Okay, like when time that is, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go. So I've been taught by some things by my mom and my dad the way that I apply my mental, uh, my my mental thinking, uh, and they didn't know. I don't think they were they they didn't know they were doing this as well. But this is just the way that it is happening. To me is that when I get a chance to go do something, I'm going to go full speed. I'm going to give you more than is expected. I'm going to do. I'm going to make you tell me to slow down, not speed up. So I call that a pullback person, mm. right? And then I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you in such a way that you got to pull me off. So that's that's how I enter into any and all things when it's time to go.
1: So if you're going to give advice to people in their everyday life, though, I mean, and say at the office, you can't be to the point where. You can't be idiot, man, at the office. You can't be (laughs) Weapon X where you're getting pulled off your coworker. But I think you're talking about sort of an intense focus. Uh, Would you tell, can normal people uh, achieve this or or use this in their daily lives? Absolutely, because I'm not, I don't crawl
3: into some of the speeches that I give or some of the places that I've that I've worked now like when I was an executive for the Philadelphia Eagles I didn't crawl into the office I didn't go screaming and shouting into the into the office but when I crossed the threshold threshold excuse me of the doorways I knew what the energy I was going to bring into those meetings into those sessions I knew that I was going to be clear about my thoughts and my ideas and I was going to be welcoming to the other ideas from other people. And if I can then assist somebody who may be going through something to see past their situation, to help them pass that spot, then I'm going to help them. So it's, 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 it's a different playing field, so to speak. But now I have new teammates. Yeah. So I'm going to pour into my teammates the way that I poured into my teammates as a football. So it's not necessarily physical anymore. It's more mental. Right. It's more me listening probably a little bit more to somebody than probably I did when I was a player, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, it's same. It's the same same energy. It's just being focused in different ways.
0: Yep. Brian Dawkins is our guest. Really cool with USAA. He's partnered up, gave away a vehicle this morning to uh, a man who had received two Purple Hearts, Was in ne- was in need of a new car, He's an Army National Guard veteran. Um, so, so cool. So, okay, a couple of football things for you, if you don't mind. <laughs> Obviously, massive game this weekend between the Eagles and the Giants. Now, the Eagles have so many rivalries. Perloff reminds me all the time. He <laughs> says Dallas is number one. For you more specifically, not which team did you find was your biggest rival. What person within those within the <laughs> NFC East did you find to be your biggest rival?
3: So, the, the – well, I have to go team because – the team had the person, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So the team was the Giants. Mm. The Dallas was not. And it, and I say this from a place of not not bragging or anything, but Dallas weren't the team that they were today. They are today, and they were not the team in the nine ninety five ninety. 90. They weren't that team. Sure. Yep. They were struggling that quarterback. So we were kind of handling them pretty, I won't say easily, but if you look at my record against Dallas, like – they weren't my rival. I'll just say it like that. Okay. But the team that was was the Giants. The Giants had our number. The chi- we would go back and forth with the Giants. The Di- Giants was a very full physical football mm. team. I just talked to Tiki. I know. Early, I was about right? to say, Tiki's right yeah. over there. <laughs> so, I just want to you know, be. He and that sure offensive cool. line. Yeah. Going battling against, you know, Jerry Mishaki and Imani uh, to, uh, Toomer. Like, that was the rival, and I loved it. I loved going against him. I knew I was going to be beat up a little bit, a good beat up, if, especially if we win, but I knew <laughs> it was going to be a physical battle, and again, that was, that was my rivalry. I can't speak for everybody, but that was my rivalry.
1: You know, last year, the Eagles played the Giants right around this time of year. It was week 12. Lost 13-7. The Eagles, in my mind, were the better team, but something happens in divisional games, and as an Eagles fan, I'm a little worried that might happen this weekend, too. Do you sort of throw out the record books to some extent? Even though the Eagles are playing so well, I feel like the Giants is just a different game.
3: I think where the Eagles, I hope, are is they've gotten to the point that it's not about the other team you're playing. Mm. It has nothing to do with the other team. It has to do with if we, do, if we go handle our business, if we detail, detail our work, don't turn the ball over. The reason why they lost that game is because they turned the football over, right? That right. To me, that was number one. Mm-hmm. Number two was they couldn't stop the run. But number one was they turned the football over. Even if they didn't stop the run and they didn't turn the football over, they probably would have won that game, right? So if you don't give the other team any gifts, right, and then you hold up your end of the ball on, on, on defense and not give up points, I don't necessarily – I'm not too concerned about the running attack, even though I don't like it, giving up all those yards. Just don't give up points. If you get to the red zone and make them kick field goals and not give up touchdowns, that's a whole different ball game as well, right? So if they can continue to get better in the areas that they see on film, and I keep saying this over and over again, if you can look at film and you've won the the game, but you can still be brutally honest about what you see and correct it when you're winning, again, once you touch the field, if we just go handle our business, it matters not who's on the other side Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
0: We're talking to the Hall of Famer, Brian Dawkins. Were you sold on Jalen Hurts immediately, or did it take a minute for you to warm up like, oh, this is going to be the franchise quarterback for the Eagles?
3: I wasn't sold on his um – Well, uh, let me let me reverse that. I was sold on his mentality. That's what I was sold on. Mm. I was sold on a young man that had been so, through so much at um, Alabama, getting supplanted, right? But you never heard anything negative coming about, not just from his mouth, but from his camp. There's no no reports of him ever doing anything that embarrassed him, his family, or his team, right? He then moves from there, then goes to Oklahoma, plays better, and gets into the Heisman race. Then he gets drafted here in Philadelphia and has to go one-on-one with Carson Wentz. But again, never any negative things coming from his camp. And then he got... A little better. Now, I didn't, I didn't know he would be as good as he is right now as far as accuracy Excuse mm-hmm. me. is concerned downfield, and those were the biggest question marks about him. Love his personality, love his leadership, love him being able to run the football, but deep ball was not a, a plus for him, a strength of his last year. Accuracy, mm-hmm. anticipation, those are the things. But, but for me, I also understood that last year he was a rookie. People say, no, this was his second year. No, he hadn't played a full season yet. So when you play a full season as a player, I understand that the game slows down for you. And then he has another year to be able to talk with his new offensive coordinator or what they like. I believe you're seeing all of those things happen. And ultimately, he got better this year. He's a better quarterback throwing the ball down the football field, period. If he did not, He would not be, they would not be where they are, right? I don't care how many weapons you put around a quarterback. If you can't throw, if you you can't anticipate, it doesn't matter.
0: Well, that's a concern about Brock Purdy. I'm sorry not to jump in yeah, because the San Francisco 49ers are now asking for a rookie seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, to handle the quarterbacking responsibilities. But, Brian, people are saying, well, they've got all these great weapons and they have a great defense. They'll be able to hide a rookie quarterback. Do you think that's true?
3: It it has happened. Like, that's not something that, has, that hasn't happened. It has, it has happened is what I'm trying to say. It's happened before because a quarterback, a young quarterback's best friend is a good running attack and a great defense Yeah. because you can travel with those anywhere. Uh, usually, if you have a young quarterback, they usually perform better at home, in home cooking, mm-hmm. right? On the road, not so much. That's why the saying is those things travel well. So if they have a good defense, they do. They have a running attack, they do. They have a bunch of weapons. But at some point, it's going to be up to him to make the play. Because in the playoffs, the talent is equal across the board. So at some point, it's going to be on him to make this play, to make this read, to make this throw in tight, tight uh, contested areas. Can he do it? We don't know that.
1: So you played in the era of unbelievable safeties. I would argue... A handful of the greatest safeties ever. John Lynch, mm-hmm. you, Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu. I, I don't hear about the safeties. Bob safety. Sanders.
3: Can't oh, Bob well. Sanders. Yeah.
1: I don't hear about. Biden the, Harrison. I can't forget. Yeah. Oh, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, defensive Player of the Year candidate safeties right now. In fact, if I was to ask you, I can't even think of who I would say the, the biggest star safety in the league is right now. Has the position changed since you played it, even though it wasn't that long ago? <sighs> I won't say the position is is changed.
3: I think that myself, Ed, um, Troy, we were able to to have the safety position take a jump up. I'll just say mm. a step up. Like people begin to look at the safety position a little bit different than they did prior to us. I'm not saying that there weren't safeties before us because there were, right? But we were asked to do a little bit more and we were blessed to do a little bit more. Right. And so I believe that after that, because people saw the the, the benefit of having a, a, a Troy, the benefit of having a red, a benefit of having a guy like myself, it adds to your mm-hmm. defense so much, right? That it, it helps you win ball games. Today, there are safeties that have that potential. I just don't know if you have the defensive coordinators that are open to just use them in any and all ways. Well, sometimes you sometimes, can't hit like you used to so, No, well. it's not. But it's not about the hitting. Okay. It's not just about a hit. It's not about the hitting. It's about using, I call it, chess pieces. Mm. A chess piece can move all over the board. Checkers can only go from one spot to the next. Mm. So, are the chess pieces potentially in this league. The Eagles have a chess piece. CJ, CJ, um, uh, the safety that they picked up from the Saints, chess piece, um, uh, Minka, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick yeah, Patrick, yeah, right? piece. chess piece, right. But if defensive coordinator, if I only see strong safety as this dude in the box, hmm. or if I only see a free safety as the dude is roaming, and I don't allow those dudes to do other things, to blitz them from time to time, to put them in coverage from time to time, when you and or and to allow them to just use their instincts from time to time if you don't allow them to do that then you limit them to the old guys not the old guy but the guys in the past yep. that only did checker moves does this make sense absolutely so some of it is not just it's not the, it's not just the players it's it's the it's the e- Imagination or the lack thereof,
1: the defense of the defensive coordinator. And you were a special players. Yeah. I mean, well, thank, you, Troy. <laughs> I mean, no
0: doubt, absolutely. The, uh, players
1: like you guys do not grow on trees. That's <laughs> another thing to no, point. No, absolutely.
0: Out. We, we can talk about this all day. This is awesome, Brian Dawkins. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Fantastic work you're doing with USAA. Gave away a car today to a veteran who absolutely needed it. Someone who had two Purple Hearts. Thomas Brooks is his yes. name. I know that was a very uh, touching moment for you. I'm sure it was just as cool for him to meet you as it was for you to meet him. Uh, thank you so much. We hope to catch up with you again soon.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays.